Up next at 6, it's JR Morning with Guy Gordon, Jamie Edmonds, and Lloyd Jackson. This is First Thing with Mike Parsons and Renee Vitale. All right, so it's Leap Day, but it feels more like Groundhog's Day because <laughs> congressional leaders, they reached a tentative deal to avert a, a shutdown and fund the government for a week. So Jeez, I feel like I've heard this before. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? We were wrong yesterday. We said this is going to be happening every three months. I guess it's going to be happening every week now. What was the point of one week? What are we going to get out of one week? I don't know. You know what? I never even got this many extensions on my homework back in high school. Why right. do they get so many extensions? <laughs> are you rolling tape? Can we just replay this next week? Yeah. Okay, exactly. good. Well, it, and you know what? A weekly basis we might miss the days of this being on a weekly basis. It's getting out of control that it could become a day by day basis or every 12, every 12 hours. Facts. So look, call me when some progress was made. Exactly. No kidding. I'm Jeez, tired. Uh, Mother earth is angry. We're getting crazy weather all over the place. We have some updates on uh, some of the weather that rolled in this week, but down in Texas, there's one fatality now linked to these wildfires. Yeah, a massive wildfire that's tearing through the Texas panhandle. It's threatening homes, farms, businesses, forcing residents to evacuate. Uh, several other wildfires, <clears throat> excuse me, are burning nearby and in Oklahoma. The Smokehouse Creek fire has scorched more than 850,000 acres of land since igniting uh, Monday afternoon, and it's only 3% contained. It's now the second largest fire in Texas state history. Governor Greg Abbott declared a disaster declaration for 60 counties on Tuesday and the Pantex nuclear weapons plant in Amarillo has paused operations until further notice and evacuated non-essential personnel as a precaution. I can't imagine that fire and nuclear weapons go together well so that was probably a smart move. Yeah I was gonna say now enter a a nuclear weapons facility. Right I am no Homer Simpson but I'm pretty sure (laughs) it was a nuclear power plant that's what that was. Yeah oh oh, okay I thought it said some about weapons okay well still <laughs> nuclear anything and right. fire is a is a a huge concern uh back here at home we're getting more informations on the uh information not informations on the tornadoes that happened um ahead of this dramatic temperature change late tuesday night early in the morning uh wednesday morning that is officials confirm that an ef2 tornado touched down around 1 20 a.m in grand blank that's in genesee county it moved through a number of subdivisions. It damaged a number of commercial uh, buildings, a downtown area. It knocked down a number of large trees and uprooted gas lines. It actually traveled about 5.7 miles. Wow. And it was 450 yards wide. And I don't know how wide a normal t- tornado is, but this that sounds massive. It does sound significant. The Calhoun County Sheriff's Office says reports of a tornado came in uh, around 1235 a.m. on Wednesday morning. That was near Marshall. It knocked down power lines and trees over the road. That was confirmed uh, as an EF1 tornado. Now, the good news is there's no reports of injuries or deaths in either case, but still uh, quite a harrowing situation if uh, your property and home were in the in the path of that tornado and still a very, very scary situation. Absolutely. Uh, Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, who turned 82 last week, he announced that he will step down from his leadership position in November. Despite uh, stepping down from leadership, he does plan to continue serving in the Senate while serving out his term in office, which ends in 2027. 
His decision marks the end of the longest serving run in U.S. history. His decision was not related to his health. Trump allies are rejoicing at the news, viewing his departure as the final step to unlocking a total MAGA takeover of the Republican Party. You know, McConnell has not spoken to former President Trump since the January 6th Capitol attack. He's declined to endorse Trump in the 2024 race, even as allies of the two have worked to mend the relationship behind the scenes. Yeah, and number one, I'm not convinced that this isn't health-related. Last year, he had that fall where he had that concussion in those two really scary episodes where yeah. he throws up um, in front of the cameras. Um, I will always remember Mitch McConnell, um, who, along with Lindsey Graham, as the, the two senators who got Rover's weight overturn. Uh, back in 2016, when Antonin, Antonin Scalia died, uh, Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham, they would not confirm Merrick Garland. Um, Obama Supreme Court nominee because they were less than a year away from an election. This happened in February. The election was in November. The Democrats, uh, of course, they were arrogant, thinking that Hillary Clinton was a shoe in. Um, they relented, and and we remember now, and we know what happened. You know, Trump won, and he appointed Neil Gorsuch to the Supreme Court. And then when Ruth Bader Ginsburg died. A month and a half before the 2020 election, McConnell, Graham and the Republicans, they contradicted themselves from four years earlier and they rammed through the Amy Coney Barrett nomination and confirmation within a month, giving the conservatives a six to three majority. And we all remember what happened uh, and and what they did to Roe versus Wade the, the first chance they got. He's had quite a run. Yeah. So, uh, depending on how you feel about the overturning of Roe versus Wade, um, among other things. Yeah, that's that's going to color your um, thoughts of Mitch McConnell. And, uh, I, you know, here's the thing. Um, MAGA Republicans don't like him because he hasn't talked to Donald Trump. But, um, I, I mean, that, that to me, that's the one integrity move that Mitch McConnell has um, has had in his entire term. Anyway, I, dig- I digress. Uh, the Supreme Court has agreed to hear Donald Trump's presidential immunity claim in April. Uh, the former president has said that he is immune to all crimes he may or may not have committed while in office, especially as it pertains to special counsel Jack Smith's charges of election interference for his role in the January 6th attack on the Capitol, which was last time uh, him and Mitch McConnell spoke. Uh, a lower court ruled that he is not immune. Um, a decision from the Supreme Court could come as early as June, uh, but there's no guarantees it'll come, uh, um, you know, in that time frame. It could be later on. Uh, a new appellate judge they, has denied Donald Trump's request to post $100 million of that $454 million fine that was handed down to him in a trial where he was found guilty of inflating his net worth to receive more favorable loan terms uh, from banks as bond while he appeals the decision uh, former president may be forced to sell off some assets or have them seized by the state of New York. And on the other side of the aisle, Hunter Biden found himself um, testifying under oath yesterday as well. Yep, behind closed doors yesterday before the House GOP committees pursuing an impeachment inquiry into President Biden. After refusing to testify in private for months, the president's son's deposition comes as the prospect of an impeachment vote is slipping out of the breach for the House Republicans. Hunter Biden wrote in a statement on Wednesday, I did not involve my father in my business, not while I was a practicing lawyer, not in my investments or transactions, domestic or international, not as a board member 
member and not as an artist. Never. Hunter blasted the inquiry led by House Judiciary and Oversight Committees as politically partisan in remarks and during testimony. Uh, Republicans have failed to find evidence that President Biden benefited from his son's international business dealings. And the uh, the four men charged for the death of 11-year-old Amara Glenn, who was shot in the head during that drive-by while she slept in the front room of the house um, that, that was the target of this drive-by. They're expected to have their charges elevated to murder at their next court hearing. I believe that that is going to either happen later this week or early next week. And uh, Marianne Williamson is back in the presidential race. She has unsuspended her campaign. I. Has anybody ever done that before? I don't know. I, I think <laughs> Is that so. a thing? I'm Hold not on. sure. <laughs> uh, she, she, uh, she made the announcement in a video post on Twitter X saying I had suspended it because I was losing the horse race. But something so much more important than the horse race here is at stake. And we must yeah. respond. We have a fascist standing at the door uh, referring to former President Trump. She goes on to say, what is President Biden offering? Here's the thing, Marion Williamson, if you... Uh, if you want to have a, a the best chance of thwarting a Donald Trump presidency for a second time, she used to be Oprah's spiritual advisor. Get Oprah to run. She was. She I was. didn't know that's, that. That's how she became famous. She I rose didn't to prom. She rose to prominence in like the late, like the 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 nineties, early two thousands. <laughs> she was Oprah's spiritual guru. I you know. Not know Oprah was a star mate, you know, she, a star maker back then. Oh. Dr. Phil, Dr. Oz, Marianne Williamson. Oh, yeah. So if you really want to make sure Donald Trump's not president, talk to your girl, <laughs> Oprah, for president. <laughs> First thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. And, of course, we're heading into JR Morning. Jamie's out, but Lloyd and Guy join us. Happy Leap Day, just what we need, an extra day in February. Absolutely. You know, couldn't we get like a July 32nd or something? I don't know. <laughs> I like that. Not to be picky. But, but you, you know, it's not like February's been unkind. It really hasn't. Yeah. Yesterday was a little nuts. But. Yeah, but we did, you know, get, uh, what, summer and winter in about 24 hours? Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. All four <laughs> we left right back into winter. But it's going to be 70 again, so... Uh, on Monday. Everyone's going to be getting the sniffles again. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, what what is, like, leap day? Is there some kind of anomaly with, like, the sun and the calendar or something? It even said, I don't know. People try to explain it. Well, the, uh, you got your Gregorian calendar and your, uh, <laughs> well, people who are born uh, today are happy because their date is actually on a calendar. Right, today. exactly, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like, leap day babies, do they celebrate on February 28th on non-leap years or March 1st on non Or do they just, uh, you know, are they just uh, 20 years old saying they're four? Well, it could be that, you know, if, if they don't, if their birthday doesn't show up on the calendar, they just don't turn an extra year that year. Yeah. They just wait till the following. It's got to be nice year. to have that kind of autonomy. It is. Until you're getting card for, uh, carded at the bar. <laughs> right. Yeah. So uh, I want to congratulate all of us. We did it. Wendy's is now going back on those claims that they're going to be okay. experimenting with these Uber surge pricing. This CEO is the dumbest chief executive <laughs> yes. I've ever seen. He really could have put off? his whole arm in the fryer and not done as much damage to himself <laughs> right. as, as he did with that stupid statement. I mean, every talk show I saw, everybody was talking about this. I mean, you know, it only takes 
one little thing yeah. to blow it, and it takes forever to try to build it back up to get you back into the good graces. Yeah. Budweiser. Yeah. Bud Light. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I'm glad because I like Wendy's, and I, I and you know what? This this was the hill I'm going to die on. It's like, dang it, I'm not going to go to Wendy's until they get rid of the surge pricing. <laughs> Unless it's not surge pricing time. Yeah. yeah. Okay, let me ask you this. You guys, um, obviously with inflation, a lot of food inflation, people are having to adjust their meal schedules and things like that. And the CEO of Kellogg, right over here, best to you each morning from Battle Creek, um, <laughs> said... Guy, guy used to be Tony the Tiger. Said, said that, uh, you know, they have noticed in their sales that more people are eating cereal for dinner. Just because prices oh. are so out of whack. He is getting ripped from pillar to post for suggesting people eat cereal for dinner. Because it's a value proposition. And, and this is a, a lot of it's coming from Washington, right? Why don't they own up to the God blessed inflation that they should be taking responsibility for instead yeah. of condemning this guy for saying that his product is, you know, a nutritional option? Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I've been seeing this backlash, too. And I've I've been seeing more people just saying, like, this is th- this is just a symptom of where we are in the economy. Things are so bad that now they're marketing cereal for dinner when cereal di- for dinner used to be a last resort. I. I think the backlash is is more overall than than at this guy, but um, well, they're kind of saying that it was a let them eat cake kind of moment, yeah. saying, "Well, they can yeah. always eat cereal." Well, that's his product, okay? Right. Of course, right. yeah. And he's going to. And I don't know about you, on those nights when I just don't feel like fixing much of anything, cereal's a great. Listen, man, a, a good bowl of Cheerios, man. Yeah, you know. we call that girl dinner. Yeah, <laughs> I call that a mental breakdown. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, I, I got to say, I'm weird. I the only time I crave cereal is late at night. So I'm like, I'm I'm, I'm like, the opposite. Well, you know, when you talk about the surge pricing uh, again, you know, they were talking on television that you know these prices going up with inflation is going to hurt. Um, you know, people who are the working poor who a lot of times, you know, go to fast food. But then they said the study came out saying there was more wealthy people who eat more fast food than poor people because the wealthy people work so hard, they don't have time to cook, so they go to the fast food place and eat fast food. Well, I know McDonald's, they they came out um, a couple weeks ago, and in their investor call or whatever, you know, whatever that is where the CEOs get on, on, on the phone with the investors, um, they were saying that they really have to get a handle on prices because you you know they used to. I, I think one of their 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 biggest sets of customers were people making under forty thousand dollars a year, and they're losing that customer base because prices are getting so expensive. Yeah. The, the 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 people who used to buy their food the most can't can't afford it anymore. So maybe yeah. it's just the wealthy people who can afford to eat fast food all the time. I would just <laughs> like them to get on that call and bring back the McDLT. <laughs> Okay. Renee's got her own list of grievances. That's right. Okay. Uh, we'll we'll see if we can get you on the earnings call next time around. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah, uh, I'm telling you, it would sell. Keep we'll, the hot side hot, the cool a side cool. hedge fund cool. specialist from Detroit on the line. <laughs> we'll start a GoFundMe to get Renee a, a big investor stake so she can be on that call. Well, I, I got to say, you know, another jam-packed show. I'm looking forward to your conversation with uh, Chief James White at 849. He met with uh, President Biden, right? That's correct. About um, you know the turnaround they they had in their crime statistics. So that we got therapy Thursday. We got uh, jam packed show. Stay tuned. All right. So congressional leaders they have reached a tentative deal to fund the government and avert a shutdown 
for a week. So we'll talk to you next Thursday again. <laughs> this. Rerun this. Uh, we're getting more information on those tornadoes that uh, happened ahead of this dramatic dip in temperatures late Tuesday night, early Wednesday morning. Officials concern, uh, confirmed that an EF2 tornado touched down in Grand Blank. Uh, it did uh, damage to a number of homes and commercial buildings. Luckily, no injuries or deaths. Uh, traveled about 5.7 miles and was about 450 yards wide. Also, the Calhoun County Sheriff's Office says that uh, they saw uh, a number of reports about a tornado that touched down about 1235 on Wednesday morning near Marshall. That knocked down power lines and trees over the road. That one, um, it was confirmed as an EF1 Tornado. I don't know if I mentioned this, but no reports of deaths or injuries in either cases. Not the case down in Texas. There is a death that has been confirmed in those wildfires. Yep, it's tearing through Texas's panhandle, threatening homes, farms, and businesses, forcing residents to evacuate. Meanwhile, several other wildfires are burning nearby and in Oklahoma. The Smokehouse Creek Fire has scorched more than 850,000 acres of land since igniting Monday afternoon, and it's only 3% contained. It's now the second largest fire in Texas state history. Hunter Biden testified behind closed doors in front of the House Judiciary Committee's impeachment inquiry into President Biden uh, on accusation that he used his position as vice president to leverage international business deal for his son Hunter and his family and himself. Hunter said that uh, he did not uh, involve his father in any of his businesses. The Supreme Court has agreed to hear Donald Trump's presidential immunity claims in April. The former president has said that he is immune to all crimes he may or may not have committed while in office, especially as it pertains to special counsel Jack Smith's charges of election interference. Uh, decision could come as early as June. Um, a New York appellate judge has denied Donald Trump's request to post $100 million of that $455 million fine that was handed down uh, to him when he was found guilty of inflating his net worth to get better um, loan terms from banks. And Senator Mitch McConnell is stepping down as the leader of the Republicans in the Senate this November, he will carry out the rest of his term, which ends in January 2027. As we head into March, we know that the tourism season will soon be underway in full force on Mackinac Island. And with that, there's a great need for seasonal help on the island. And now's the time that they start doing their recruiting. So on the phone with us to tell us what all the different positions are that are needed and how to go about applying for them is the events and content manager of the Mackinac Island Tourism Bureau, Steph Castelline. Good morning, Steph. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me today. So, Steph, I mean, uh, what, what jobs are open? Who are you looking for? Oh my gosh. A um, little bit of everything, honestly. Uh, I mean, Mackinac Island, we, we kind of do it all, not only from, like, you know, a lot of people think of fudge mm-hmm. and horses and bikes. Well, all of those, you know, come with different responsibilities and, and jobs. So we need um, carriage drivers. We need um, uh, bike rental hosts. We need um, bartenders and servers and hotel uh, hoteliers and, and just a little bit of of everything needs to be covered on Mackinac Island. You know, you mentioned something uh, about bartenders. When I was there last year, I was bellied up to the Pink Pony Bar. Weird. Um, and I, I was talking to the bartender, and he explained that both he and his wife were from downstate, but they worked on the island during the summer. Is that pretty common where you see this kind of like a family affair for the seasonal help? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, what's so cool about Mackinac Island is that just the, the diverse array of people, right? And so during the, there's 500 year-round residents. So Mackinac is actually a living, breathing, beautiful community. But during the summer season, we need 5,000 seasonal jobs wow. filled. And so we get people from all over the U.S., all over the world. Um, we got, get people coming up for their first summer. We got people coming back for their like 25th summer. And it really just depends on kind of what their story is, what they're looking for. And people of all ages too. We get folks right out of high school who are like, you know what, I'm going to go get a, a summer job on Mackinac. And we have people who are just retiring and like, hey, I'm in a new phase of life and I want to see what it's all about. Yeah, I, I was wondering that too, because yeah, you said there's 500 year round um, residents and then that swells to 5,000 during the summer. And, and it's sort of like, yeah, what kind of cross section of people do you get? Because it, it's it's seasonal, but it sounds like you also have a lot of old standbys who come back year after year. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of everything. So we have folks who do have like year round jobs, even if it's not from Mackinac Island, that's going to be like your HR, some of your leads at the hotels, um, things like that. But a lot of folks that we get, again, there's just such a diverse, it's such a diverse population, right? So like, um, we get folks who do the seasonal jobs for a while. They'll, they'll be out on Mackinac during the summer and then they go out to Colorado or Utah in the winter season and then they come back. Some folks do Mackinac uh, in the summer, then they do Florida in the winter. So they oh. kind of go with the snowbirds, wow. and but travel in the in the job at, uh, part of that. So life. I was going to say, yeah. that sounds like a dream. Yeah, it does. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's pretty amazing. And that's why we always say, like, there's something for everyone, whether you want to be here year-round or you want to do seasonal work or you want to do a little bit of both and, and try your hand at it, but, Usually, if you um, are a hard worker and you get in, that's kind of the island community, you get in, you can uh, you can get in with something great that works out for you. Well, let me ask you. So if someone wanted to take some seasonal work on, what is the housing situation like? Yeah, it's, it's really um, depends on the business. So most of the businesses on the island uh, provide some sort of housing mm. in some aspect, whether that's um, like boarding housing of where you're shared, maybe shared rooms or shared like bathrooms or shared like kitchen. So kind of like dorm style. Some have um, individual places to stay. That's a little bit um, rarer to come by, but it is an option. Um, but it all is just depends on mostly the employer, the employers and what they, what setup they have. What's the most coveted job on the island? What's the one job that, that everyone aspires to work their way up to or, or, or get lucky enough to land? <laughs> I don't know if there's one because I think so many people are, you know, skilled in different ways and, and have um, just so many different things that they're trying to do. But one I think that is seen the most and, and maybe gets talked about a lot are the dock porters. So you can't underestimate their abilities. These are the do that. Yeah, the, the, the guys um, who take the luggage from the dock. So when you come to the island, you know, you leave your car behind, uh, you're coming over on the ferry, your luggage is on a cart, and the, you got to get your luggage to the hotel. And these guys ride on their bicycles with, you know, sometimes up to like 20 pieces of luggage on Ooh, their bike. Wow. I'm exhausted just thinking about it. I know, me too, seeing them every day. And so it's fun because they're some of the first people you see coming off the ferry, calling out their hotels. 
they're uh, loading up their bikes and they're doing the balancing act of these Mm. huge bikes. And then they do it, you know, reverse for people leaving as well. So I don't know that everyone aspires to be a a dock porter, but there are probably some that you see the most. And there's even um, with, uh, uh, you were talking about the pink pony at the Chippewa, there's a dock porter who's been there forever, Archie. And uh, there's a young kid, Gus, who actually was like, seven eight years old who's been coming to the island and he is like a mini dock porter he has a bike with a basket they let him take luggage he like (laughs) instead of cruising around the island he he literally is like hauling people's bags and they let him keep his tips and it's it's really cool so that's kind of a fun one the people who clean up after the horses are they well compensated road apple people (laughs) absolutely yeah and they're you know what they are they have been there for years. Um, there's there's a pair on Market Street who uh, I've gotten to know well. Just what's cool about Mackinac is you're outside because you have to be, right? So coming to work every day, I see uh, my friends, the, the street sweepers, and get to say good morning to them. And they're having their coffee, and we stop for a chat and whatnot. But, yeah, you know, that's, that's what's great about Mackinac is, um, you know, you work hard. Definitely. It's a six months of hard work. There isn't a day that we're closed. We don't take, you know, Sundays or Mondays off like a lot of a lot of towns. We are seven days a week on. And so you work hard, um, but you it's an opportunity to make quite a bit of money and to save up if you if you so choose and, and to get some good experience in. I'd spend it all on fudge, but that's a whole other story. <laughs> um, if people want to learn more about the different opportunities and, uh, you know, how to go about applying for these jobs, where can they do that? Yeah, there's there's really kind of three things that we suggest. So the first one is to visit our Facebook page, Mackinac Island Job Posting page. Any of the businesses, um, they, they'll send us their job openings and we'll post it uh, instantly on that Facebook page. So people can kind of see um, what's coming in, what people are looking for, and the different job opportunities there. We also um, have a job portal on our website. If you visit MackinawIsland.org, there's a tab up on top that says jobs, and you can um, submit your resume there and kind of click on the different job opportunities that you're interested in. So if you're not entirely sure, um, you can do an array of them, put in your resume, and our island businesses can view those. But the number one thing that we say is to reach out to businesses directly. Um, That's going to be your first point of contact. They're going to have the answers of housing, of pay, of how many days you're working and for how long. Um, So just reaching out to them directly because almost everybody is looking for work this time of the year. And with six months on in the season, and like I said, we go hard, um, they need folks right at the end of April all the way through October. So even if you can't do those six months, um, if you can do some part of that, there's there's still going to be something available um, and different opportunities out there. Steph Castline, the events and content manager of the Mackinac Island Tourism Bureau. Thank you so much. This has been awesome. I'm ready to go. Let's go, Mike. Road trip. Start a new life. First, I like it. Hey, you guys are always welcome. <laughs> first thing, Mike Parsons, Renee Vitale, WJR. Fresh off the Lions electrifying season, the Red Wings are giving Hockey Town something to cheer about. Winners of six straight, including an 8-3 drumming of the Washington Capitals. Wow. And that and that uh, overtime thriller where Patrick Kane scored the game winner against his former team in, team in Chicago. And it looks like the Wings are headed to their first playoffs for the first time since 2016. Oh, my gosh. Has it been that long? I know. it. it, it because we they used to be in the playoffs every year. It was a given. Yeah.
Uh, one person who has been there uh, through this rough stretch, as well as the glory days of Hockey Town, is TV color commentator Mickey Redman, who sat down with Paul W. Smith and Anthony Bellino at the Motor City Casino soundboard on Focus. Mickey Redman, I haven't been in the booth when you're in there with Ken. Uh, having been a great hockey player, do you find yourself making the moves? Oh, yeah. With the players yeah, and, down and, on the ice? And what's even scarier than that is the language sometimes. Come up <laughs> <laughs> under my breath. Well, it's I had like, a little really? of that earlier in the show. I had a little of my language out there. <laughs> yeah, you're still... Uh, you still get your dander up when you see something happen against one of our guys. And, you know, it's all part of the game. That's why this game is um, and always will be the greatest game in the world. It's fast. It's hard. It's it's difficult. There's fighting. It's a, it's a challenge. They, they challenge your ego and your your, your, your manhood every day. On That's why it's not, a, it's not a kid's game. It's a man's game. And even though there's a lot of young kids playing it right now, you notice like Connor Bedard in Chicago, broken jaw. Tough business, boys. These boys don't don't uh, take any prisoners. They're there to hurt. They're there to hit, and you better be ready for it. And you yet know? you take the ah, – this is not a word that probably is best, and Anthony Bellino can correct me in this. You take the gentle um, job, the patient job is a better word, that Steve Eiserman has had mm -hmm. building this team to look where we are at a crescendo at just the right time. This yeah. is like a Tom Izzo team that yeah. struggles through the season, but right at the right moment, get it all together. Yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. Um, we still have 24, 23 games yet yep. to play. A long road to hoe, for sure. Um, but as I've been saying, you know, the last couple of weeks, if we, tomorrow night we've got the Islanders, who are one of the teams that are chasing us and chasing a playoff spot. If we win tomorrow night, we have 22 games left, and if we go 500 after that, we're 96 points, we're in the playoffs. There's no question about it. And when I left the gondola the other night with the Car or the uh, the Colorado game, we were down one to nothing after two, and I said to Daniels, if we come back and win this game, we're making the playoffs. Oh. By gosh, didn't we? Oh, boy. Kane scored in overtime, and uh, the rest is history. It's been, it's been fun. What, do you think, Mickey, that that game against Colorado – for the guys that have been around, like a Dylan Larkin, for example, he's seen where this team has been and where they're at right now. Was that the first playoff game played in LCA? Um, the, it sure felt like it. Uh, people around the building said, Jesus, Mick, uh, this building has never seen the likes of this, what went on here tonight, in seven years. Um, it, was, it, was, it was electric. The place was absolutely on fire. And, of course... The old videos of the, the fights and the rivalry of the Colorado never goes away. But uh, the young kids sit on the bench. I get a kick out of that. When uh, they look up at the board and they see this stuff going on with Wah fighting Vernon and fighting Ozzy, and they go, really? They actually played like this? <laughs> they have no idea. Special and they're like, moment. oh, my God. But, it, yeah, it was on fire on Thursday, or I think it was Tuesday night. Um, and we come back and win the game in overtime and kept this run going. And now we're six straight. And they're playing a lot better defensively and keeping the puck out of the net. The goaltenders have been solid, and uh, they're feeding off it right now, and the confidence is sky high. When you look at the, the, the special teams, right, we got a shorty last night in that 8-3 to three victory. The power play has been fantastic. But the dynamic of that power play has changed a little bit where we have a guy in front, in front of the net as the screen. We've got guys in either circle. They're using that bumper spot between the circles a whole lot more on this power play. It seems to really kind of open things up even though everybody's more condensed. 
The defenses are, uh, Colorado did a really good job that night of taking away the middle of the ice, for the most part, until Larkin scored to tie the game. Um, but when you've added people like DeBrinket and Kane, who score goals that most people that play this game don't get to score. They can't score them that way. That's how elite these guys are. It changes the way you look at the game, play the game, defend the game, offense the game, whatever it is. So they've jumped into that power play where Perron was on the left side, right-hand shot. Now you got Kane as a left-hand shot on the right side. you got uh, Lucas Raymond, right-hand shot on the left side, like Ovechkin last night. Uh, they've got a lot of different looks. And then you got Larkin, who's in the bumper spot a lot in the middle. Um, it really gives you a lot of options, and it gives headaches to the to the defenders trying to trying to keep it out of their net. So it's been working pretty good, pretty good. And the PK has been really good too. Last night, for example, Washington's on the power play. They just scored a goal. They're feeding off it. They got momentum, and I go, okay, they score here two minutes ago in a period. You go in and you're down one, and it's a different game. Don't we score shorthanded? Go up five two. That game's over. And that's how quickly it can it can snap in a game like that. So there's a lot of really interesting and good things going on right now with this team, and hopefully we're not uh, to your point, Paul, that we're not uh, we're not reaching that crescendo too early. Right. We've got a lot of work to do yet, but uh, the confidence level is really really good, and it's really fun to watch. Mickey Redmond, when you've achieved your status, anyone in any sport who achieves your status, and is still so very much involved with the game joining uh, Ken, and you do the color, he does the play-by-play. You can't help but be asked a very unfair question on the on the balance of this, and that is they ask you who the best hockey players are or who the best hockey players that you were good enough to play with and enjoyed. And to me it's unfair because the different generations represent a whole different right. hockey each generation. For sure. Yeah, that that is a question that it really is unanswerable in a lot of ways. But I came up with Bobby Orr. Uh, I was almost a Boston Bruin instead of a Montreal Canadian. They wanted me to go to Oshawa, which is the farm team of the Bruins, when I was 14. Oh, my. My mother put the kibosh on that and said, no, he's too small. He's 100 pounds. <laughs> you get killed. <laughs> they said, no, he's not going. And the next year, I got signed by Peterborough at 15 years old. And that was Montreal's farm farm team. They give you a C form, two hundred bucks, and a stamp on your rear end, and you belong to the big club. That's it. <laughs> Game over. So that's the way it was back in the day. Fourteen and fifteen. Yeah, yeah. It was. It was just. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way it was. But uh, you know what? You had to survive. You play up, uh, up at different levels. I never did play midget. Played in pee wee bantam. You jumped right over. Went from bantam to junior B, junior A. Boom, like that. So. It, <laughs> Pretty crazy, but it was uh, it was a hell of a ride. Yeah. Is there anyone you didn't like playing with oh, or God. against? Well, <laughs> there's a lot of butchers when I was playing. <laughs> well, the butcher was what came to mind yeah, when I started to, this you conversation. Had to, you had to know who who they were, where they were all the time on the ice. Um, I'd tell a story, but we were in Philadelphia and uh, going to play the Broad Street Bullies, and boy, they were tough to play against. The Bruins originally. I could let me digress a bit. We're in a plane of Montreal, and we had John Ferguson, who may be the toughest guy in the league. We're in Boston. We had six bench clearing brawls in one game. Oh, wow! So, so <laughs> the first guy that jumps off the bench gets a hundred dollar fine. 
So everybody throw in five bucks, you pay the fine. So Fergie, on the first bench clearing brawl, he jumps off the bench, and now it goes on for 10 minutes. The next one, if he jumps on again, he's going to get suspended. So what does he do? He goes down to the end of the bench, he picks up the spare goalie, throws him on the ice, and then he follows him. So the goalie got the $100 fine. Oh, it was, it was mayhem, I tell you. Six, Six bench clearing Six bench brawls. brawls. Yeah. yeah, and Phil, uh, Phil Roberto and Derek Sanderson ended up in the stands behind our bench fighting each other. They're both from Niagara Falls, Ontario. <laughs> A Boston cop hit Phil over the head, knocked him out. Oh, it was just, you can't make this stuff up.